This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, it's Caroline Keeper. Today we've got Matt Jessup from Crossroads Primary School talking primary joy. So come along, bring us some of your tales of primary joy and come have a listen to what it's like to run a rural school. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio this morning. Um, hopefully everybody can hear me and everybody's in. Um, we've got Matt Jessup on today, so um, we're going to be having a good chat and see exactly what we think about primary joy. So, just while we make sure that we're, we're on and live and everybody's listening in, um, we're going to get Matt in in a little while. Uh, what do you think about primary school teaching? How does it work? Uh, do you feel like you're getting enough joy in the job? Um, if you feel that you could increase your joy, how, how could you do that? I'm always an envy of uh, teachers uh, who are primary school leaders um, for the simple reason that uh, they seem to have a, an incredible amount of energy to be able to do their job all day <laughs> it seems absolutely beyond me that you can teach for the whole day itself uh, so if you're kind of a primary school leader then you have this moment where you, you literally are going in first thing in the morning and you're teaching a full day with barely any breaks I, I wonder how much joy do you have in that is there a lot of joy in that um do you find that it's quite stressful? Today, we had a really interesting uh, post up from Tess from John Service that was talking about teachers' retention and how we should be, you know, improving the situation for teachers. Do you think that the things that we could do that could bring more joy back to teaching? Uh, what kinds of things do you think you'd like? Is it enough to have, you know, staff well-being be down to you know here's some muffins let's talk about how we can do meditation probably not so you know what kinds of things could you have joy in um i think it's an important point to have joy in your job a lot of us are in teaching for the enjoyment of teaching and the joy and the love that we get from teaching young people so how do we make that joy enough how do we make it last how do we deal with those really 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 bad days um morning matt who's just got in um and hi mr rogers nice to see you tom this morning so um let's talk joy what do we mean i think it's a different thing for different people isn't it you know how do we how do we assess that kind of joy that we get from teaching how does it work how does it look you know when people say oh i absolutely love my job what do they actually mean you know do they 
do they love it every day? I don't think they probably do love it every day. I don't think there's a teacher out there who loves the job every moment. Um, but, you know, I think it's having the right amount of joy in your job and having the right amount of passion for your work that, that keeps you going through those stages that are tricky and difficult. So how, how can you do that and, and what uh, tricks and tips should you have? Matt, uh, has got a really really interesting primary school he um it's in crosswiths which if you're not familiar is um just outside of cumbria cumbria it's a incredible school um it's the edgy futurist digital school of the year and if you've i've been to visit several times it's um it's just amazing small school to to go and see if you get a chance to visit it has an incredible amount of um, animals at this school. It's a farm school, so there's a lot of um, hens, sheep, bees, alpacas. There is an incredible amount of, of animals at Matt's school um, that are just amazing to go see. Um, morning, Sabia. Um, thrilled to have people in. Uh, give us your calls, give us your texts. Um, make sure that you call in and give us some opinions. I like to see them. Give us some tweets. Uh, if it's later on, give me tweets as well. If you're catching this on catch up, make sure that you have a, a listen back and send us. What do you feel like joy in primary schools looks like? Um, what makes you happy about teaching in primary schools? You know, how, how happy are you in primary leading? Uh, have you found any challenges and what kinds of situations did you use to get over them? Uh, you know, what kinds of tactics did you use to make sure that you had enough joy in your actual job itself? So that's what we're going to be talking about today when we get Matt on. Um, and obviously you'll get the news. And then later on, as usual, we're going to be talking a little bit about how we're chilling out on our Sundays. So I want to know what are you doing on Sunday to chill down? What are you spending your time doing? How is, do you think it's going? Um, are you going to you know, chill out on the couch, watch some TV? Are you going to go out? Have you got things planned? What are you trying to do to make sure you make the most of your Sunday? Because it is Sundays, it's, it's that day that you, you've got that is off, surprisingly enough. So <laughs> you can actually take the day off. So if you want to talk or get in touch, please do. And um, send us some comments. What do you think on Primary Joy? Um, I this week have been teaching like many have. Um, so I've, I've actually had the joy of teaching this week and not being so much in uh, research this week, even though it's been quite a lot of pressure. So uh, actually, I've had some lovely, joyful moments with some young people in secondary schools this this week. And it's been just a pleasure. It was just one of those moments where I think, oh, you know, I, I am not quite as um, full time now because I'm in educational research and data science research now and uh, uh, I just had that lovely moment of being back at a school and thinking oh just I love I love to teach I just love young people I love that light bulb moment I love to to kind of do it but one of the things I don't love is that just the huge amount of admin and other roles that we have to do so you know uh, is that having an impact on our joy you know, and that, that we get from teaching, you know, how does that look? So that's how 
today's going to run. I'm hoping that you're spending your morning with a nice coffee, like I am, you know, and nicely chilled so you can get organised. And this is a lovely little wake-up call for you. So let us know what you think. Use the hashtag TT Radio. I'll be keeping an eye on it. Come talk in the show. Talk to me about your joy in teaching and tell me what you think. Um, we're going to go to the news and then we're going to hopefully get Matt So here's your weekend news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1360 £60 in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chigwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at witherslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has called for all pupils in primary schools to receive free school meals. He wants an urgent expansion of the scheme to include all students in years 3, 4 and 5, regardless of household income. He said, free school meals were something my family relied upon and every child in London deserves that safety net. With the summer holidays on the horizon, it is essential that the government act now to reinstate the meal voucher system to give families dignity and nutritional choice over the summer. This should then be followed by the introduction of universal free school meals for all primary school children from the start of the new school year in September. Multiple London councils are already leading the way on this and showing what can be done if we put the health and well-being of our young people first in such perilous economic times. It is time for the government to step up. Official figures show that inflation reached 9% in April as the cost of food, energy and transport surges and is expected to reach 11% later this year. Polling by YouGov found that 83% of adults in London say their household cost of living has increased over the last six months. The NAS UWT Teachers Union is calling for a 12% pay increase for teachers this year and has said it will ballot members in England, Wales and Scotland for industrial action if its demands are not met. Dr Patrick Roach, NAS UWT General Secretary said, Teachers are suffering, not only from the cost of living crisis, which the whole country is grappling with, but 12 years of real terms pay cuts, which has left a 20% shortfall in the value of their salaries. If the government and the pay review body reject a positive programme of restorative pay awards for teachers, then we will be asking our members whether they're prepared to take national industrial action in response. The government wrongly assumed teachers would simply stand by as they erode pay and strip our education system to the bone. But this weekend, thousands of teachers from every corner of the UK joined together to demonstrate our strength, unity and determination to stand up and to fight back. Our message is clear and has now been delivered directly to the government on their doorstep. We will not allow cuts to our members' pay and attacks on their pensions. If a pay rise is not awarded, it will be won by our members in workplaces through industrial action. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Welcome. You're in with um, Caroline Keep at uh, Teacher Talk Radio. So we're talking primary joy today. Uh, I'm going to just check in that we've got Matt Jessup with us today. Matt, can you hear me? And are you there? So with any luck, we'll get Matt in. Um, if not, we'll try and get Matt in in a minute. 
uh, at the moment we've just unmuted that and it might take a moment or two for him to connect so we'll just double check that we've got him in but we're talking primary joy and we're just checking out exactly what we mean by primary joy um, and uh, what kinds of things do we think that we mean by how exactly we can use our teaching methods and how we can use our leadership and how we can increase the kind of joy that we actually need. So let's just check that we can get Matt in and see whether he's around. Um, I'm going to just double check that we've got him um, and see whether he's there. Matt, are you there? Okay, then probably not. Um, and we'll see whether we can get him back in a second. Um, Matthew, if you can go back out and come back in. Um, um, and we'll get to you in a minute if we can. Um, but in the meantime, what do we mean by primary joy? Do we, do we know the kind of things that we want for, you know, what kinds of situations do we want our teachers to be in when they're on it? Matt, are you there? I'm definitely here, yep. Oh, there we are. We've got you. Well oh, done. Oh, right. It's working, is it? Right. It is. You know, when you have that moment where you're definitely trying to get somebody into a room. So I'm glad to hear you. Thank you, Matt. So Matt no, Jessup, Crossworth Primary. So let's get into it. What do we think? Because I've been trying to get you in, and, and to be honest, I think everybody's thinking, come on, Kaz, already. What do we think about primary schools? Me and you need to talk about this. Primary do schools. Do you think um, there's enough job in primary school leadership? No. Hell, heck no. Not a chance. Um, what, not what even do close you think... to it. Too much paperwork, too much admin, too much external pressure, too much ridiculous accountability. Um, not enough time to focus on what should it, it should be about what do you think we can do then to increase the joy that we do have in primary school leadership Ooh, without Hard getting political yes all right i'm not allowed to be political i think you've got to look at funding and things because you know i spent most of one day last week in a meeting about health and safety mm -hmm. um and as a small school head it, it's on me um we went out with the governor that came in who's was a brilliant guy we, we went through it for several hours and all we went through was the list of things that we need for the audit um and without the finance to actually pass that on to somebody else it's on me and we're talking several thousand pages worth of risk assessments and health and safety policies and that's all gonna be ready for the audit in october hmm. um so it's quite challenging amount yeah. of work um hmm. but yeah that that takes me out of everything else in the school for, for for days in the autumn term it's going to be just sat there pulling through policies and, and risk assessments some of which as a head I'm quite happy to do because I like to know they're there hmm. others which tick in a box and that's the only purpose of them do you feel like there's too much admin there sapping your joy out of the job that you do then I think a lot of us feel like that of the, jo of the job I, th I think yeah so all levels you... I mean I've if you felt like you were 
what are the things that do kind of encourage you day in day out i mean i know you're going to say kids to me because your kids are wonderful so what kinds of things do you see day in day out that are kind of like oh that keeps me going it's always good to walk around the school. I don't do any formal observations at my school of any sort and haven't for a few years now um, because I know that when I walk in a class, I'm going to see very engaged children, interactive lessons uh, and kids learning. And, and that's the nice thing to see, um, whether it's your standard national curriculum stuff, whether outside, uh, working the outdoors or, or online, you know, that, that's stuff you like to see when you walk around. Hmm. So if you if you've got your primary school, let's talk a little bit about actually CrossFit. So when I came to visit, you have a vast amount of creatures at your primary school, yeah. like a huge, huge amount. So tell me, how do you do one? Let's let everybody know how you know animal friendly your primary school actually is. And two, um, how do you manage to keep all of them in them? I've got to admit, because you've got a, a whole little horde of alpacas that I seen when I was last there, and they're just wonderful. But how do you manage to not only have so 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 many animals, but also how do you manage to keep them? And what benefit do you think that they give kids in primary school? I mean, the responsibility the kids take, first of all, for looking after animals is huge. And as a school, we we do a huge amount of stuff with the kids and giving them responsibility. Got very, I mean, every school has a school council, and we have school councils, eco teams, green teams, ethos teams at ours. It's a big thing. Every September, they have to go uh, through elections to be elected to these teams. Um, but the kids, the amount of responsibility the kids take on, all ages, and the amount of stuff that they do is ridiculously impressive. If they didn't take those responsibilities on and actually do happening. Um, the animals is an interesting one. It goes back to my primary school, I suppose. Is that you're supposed to enjoy primary school as much as anything. Um, and you could phrase it as, you know, a happy learner is a good learner. But ultimately, in my book, um, you're supposed to enjoy primary school and you're supposed to remember things about primary school and which kids won't remember. Um, the lessons where there's a snake crawling over the leg or there's a bearded dragon running <laughs> yeah. across the desk. It's little things like that we'll talk about in years to come. They're never going to talk about the national curriculum and spelling and grammar tests in year to come. But yeah, the time that Sydney used to slide along the desk while they're writing was, is always something we'll chat about. Um, so yeah, the enjoyment and making those memories is, is exactly what school should be about. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you, um, do you find that, 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 taking of responsibility for the creatures in your school does it have an impact on how your young people react to taking responsibility in other areas uh yeah huge impact i think we've got kids that come and join us um a lot most of our kids start in, in nursery and work away up but we've had kids join us every year and they'll come in and they're quiet and you know they're quite timid but we never pressure them into joining things and doing things, but they, they just go along with it and joining gradually and quite quickly they become very confident speakers. And I mean, you've, you've talked about the animals a lot, Kaz, and we, yeah, it's all about the animals and the outdoors, but we have a lot of the ed tech stuff as well and do a lot of stuff around the world. And I think just working with the animals and actually being part of a group in school and things uh, and taking that responsibility, you see it impacting on other aspects of learning, like when we do um, work with school in Norway, and the kids are essentially leading a group 
via Google Meet and Google Docs and things, and you sat there listening to them, thinking it's the patience they show and and the clarity they actually have when they're explaining things to kids in other countries who's for who English is a second language is mm. just amazing. And I sit there and listen to them, thinking, you know, I've got I know adults in education that couldn't do it this well. Um, and the same thing when they t- when they train the ITT students in using Google Workspace and figure the the patience and the confidence and the clarity they can explain things with is is absolutely amazing. And yeah, that's it all goes nicely. Back to giving that responsibility. That's nicely led us on to Matt that you would think in my description that this was a very rural school, but you're actually one of the the google schools aren't you that and actually you're, you're incredibly active in the use of technology and, and digital um so the the school itself is is quite um i would say one of the the real leading as demonstrated by your edgy futurist award digital schools in the country along with this very rural farm school feel so it's a, it's an incredible building to be in um how do you think that that sits together do you think that that's you know absolutely fine because your your students are some of the most um yeah digitally competent um, students i've met well we've been doing it for five years now you know it was 2017 ofsted and what can we do next and digital skills was the thing travel the country so the time they get to key stage two they've been doing it for a few years and they're very confident just just embedded across the curriculum now um and yeah I think kids grow up with it nowadays. So they pick things up quicker than actual adults do. Um, but um, they're very impressive. The digital skills thing, I think, should be front and centre of all primary education. Um, and so whatever subject it is you're teaching, I think there should be the option of actually in, uh, enriching it using ed tech, if you want to say it. Um, and, and we try to do that. We have days and weeks where it's all about the educational technology and using your Chromebooks one-to-one and we have days and weeks where it doesn't happen at all because you don't want to use it for the sheer hell of using it um, and we give the kids that option as well and sometimes in lessons they're given a task or you, you know you introduce your lesson you've gone through the actual learning you've set them the task to do and it's up to them whether they choose to use a computer or a book and if they choose to use a computer they can go Chromebook they can go iPad they can go laptop they can go a desktop um, and then once they choose a device, they can choose the software or the program that they want to use. Um, that's that's and, one of the yeah, things the I, I actually love about um, watching your school, Matt, is that you're very committed to using EdTech, similar to me, in the situations that actually benefit learning. So it's never just the case of using technology or digital tools just because you can. It's always um, about your learning outcomes um and i think that's um that that's something that i think we we all need a lot more of you know that that they're really linked to the learning it's not just for the sake of of learning it is it um and liana's just said a lot about her bunnies she had bunnies in her primary school with the demonstration do you have that I, i'm pretty sure you have a lot we of don't rabbits. No, we have rabbits all know? around the school but we don't actually have any pet rabbits tortoises no. They're geckos, chameleons, bearded dragons, sheep, hens, several hundred thousand bees, uh, school dog. But yeah, and never actually, oh, we have had rabbits in the past, but um, not currently. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, we live in the country, you know, we know there's rabbits, badgers, foxes all around us every night because we have wildlife cameras we put out to catch them. Um, but the kids, 
And then we've kids from city schools visit us and they're always blown away by, you know, do you want to feed the alpacas? But our kids, because they live where they live, seeing foxes and badgers and rabbits and sheep is, is just second nature to them, really. They get more excited at seeing the Walker's Crisp factory when we go to Liverpool or um, <laughs> the Bet Show. You know, that blew the mind a bit, travelling to the Bet Show. But um, Yeah, they went to the Bet Show this year. They were the... Um... The judging team, were they not, for the Bet Kids Awards? They were on one of the the panels with um, I think I think organises it and kids judge Bet. Half were doing that, half were doing a presentation with um, I want to say Northamptonshire University with John Sibold, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and we set up a few tasks while they were there to go around and evaluate, you know, uh, screens that we want to use and software and things that are out there and they you know because ultimately they're the customers for these um businesses at bet um and some businesses were fantastic with them some businesses wouldn't speak to them at all um but yeah it's their perspective we want because it's it's them that are going to be using it all the stuff um i I want to talk a little bit about how how do you manage um rural areas for schools for um things like uh, social isolation you know, how do you manage that for young people? You know, how did that go down during lockdown? Because your school is a very rural community, is it not? Yeah, it's it's a funny school in that respect because we're only about two miles out of Kendall, which is a just a small market town, and we're only a couple of miles out of Bowness. But where we are is is off the beaten track. There's no public transport um, whatsoever. We don't really see the tourists, even though Bowness on Windermere is you know one of the Lake District's busiest places. Um, so lockdown was interesting bus because we had the one-to-one devices in school. So we just sent them home with a device, um, provided full education online, didn't push it. They weren't obliged to join um, lessons. We quite quickly um, got children back in and we actually had a couple of marquees in the first lockdown because the rural isolation and and deprivation is quite an interesting thing and especially for kids with just you know no siblings with a couple mm. of parents ringing us saying can they come in for a day because actually mm. they've gone really quiet because speaking to your friends on google meet is not the same as playing with your friends live so no, in that I first think... summer term yeah we we facilitated every year group coming in on different days on top of the uh, key workers and you know, mm. hired a massive mm. marquee outside um, to house them in, um, because obviously at that time we, everyone was dead careful with COVID and, and transmission and keeping children separate. Um, so yeah, that, that's how we got around that with online learning. The kids, what's really interesting though is one of the kids a few weeks ago misses aspect of online learning because he wants to go and um, help his dad with milking and. Uh, Have we still got Matt there? We might have just lost Matt slightly. Um, um, oh, there you are, Matt. Bit of, bit of cracking on your line, Matt. So maybe just hold your mic just a little further away. Yeah, I can do. It's just because you, 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 you're desperate to start moving. So <laughs> keep a little still, Matt. I'm still. Um, I'm still. Keep still. Right. So when you're talking about Bet, they did a, they did a presentation, didn't they, during Bet? Where... Um, when they went out there they they obviously see this big huge you know um 
kind of presentation at that and and this kind of big huge area do you find that kids that are from very rural areas find that a bit daunting or are they a bit fine about it or do they you know if they're if they're out there in rural areas do you find that they are nice and confident when they come to some of the bigger cities um they were absolutely fine i mean as, as the head in charge of it and done all the risk assessments i was quite nervous but they were very keen to actually go off and explore um, and we'd made sure they had mobile phones and things, but um, no, they weren't remotely lacking in confidence and they were confident enough to go up to stores and actually ask them about the products. Mm-hmm. Um, and just little things like when you hear them talking to a, um, a oh, I'm trying to think of what name the company, has big interactive televisions and they were saying, well, why do we need it to be interactive? Because we can cast our work up there. And yeah. When you I, see the salesman struggling, um, you know, <laughs> So I was thinking, how can I sell it to a kid who can say that to me? Um, yeah, I quite like this. Um, and to be honest, I think this is one of the things that I'd say you get a lot of joy out. You get a lot of joy, I think, out of um, seeing such very um, uh, competent young people and confident young people you have. Um, you know, how, how, how have you gone about building confidence in your young people? Because I think you get a lot of joy from that. It's all about giving that responsibility, Kels, to be honest. Um, the school's changed. I've been the head there for about 10 or 11 years, and when I joined, it was tiny, and it was you had to drive it because you were teaching full-time, and you had to keep pushing and pushing. Brilliant staff there. Everyone got on board. Brilliant families. Uh, and now it's all about facilitating it as much as anything else and facilitating the staff. Um, once you get to a certain stage in quality, and the staff can do things way better than I can. So it's just about me um, making sure they've got the resources and the time, the facilities to actually do what they want to do. Um, things like the Bet Show is just an added bonus. Mm. Um, take them to London, you know, one of the reasons we went with digital tech all those years ago was because we're conscious we're in a bubble up in Cumbria. These kids mm. are very lucky. And I think they do realise it. And they can go home, they can go out on the farm, they can go out in the outdoors mm. in as safe an environment you're going to get. Um live in their own little world if you like so actually take them to the cities and link into other schools across the country and other schools in other countries actually opens their eyes to the wider world out there um and makes them more aware of things and you know you've got to teach them the street smarts as well as the online safety and the general safety and, and digital tech and things is, is, a, is a way of facilitating that so um you are a member of the, the roundtable, aren't you? The Head Teachers Roundtable. So you've got to see quite a lot of um, other schools across the country. You know, do you find that that um, is great for your professional development? Do you find that something that you enjoy seeing, seeing other uh, schools and seeing how they do it? Yeah, so I'm an NLE, first of all. So I get sent to schools across Cumbria, yeah. um, which is always dead interesting because there's a definite... Uh, disconnection, lack of connection between what the people in the DfE and the people issuing NLE's instructions to go to schools feel is an issue and what mm. the schools and NLE is an issue. So I've been sent to schools that have had bad data and you get to the schools and they're brilliant. They're doing things that I couldn't do in deprived areas, going out and supporting kids and families. Mm. Um, so you always see brilliant things whenever you go to a school. The Ed Round Tables group is, is a brilliant group and I'm trying to think of an example. I'm going to Leeds tomorrow to uh, meet a friend. I'm going to pop to his school on Tuesday morning. Um, and it's head do you find knows. that? Do you find that going to see other leaders is is that kind of support that 
makes a difference to you when you when you are leading or you know if you're a head teacher do you think that kind of other head teacher support is important to you does it give you joy matt i've got some what i would say good friends now through this that mm. yeah definitely you know you can call them up or send them a message or text or whatsapp whatever asking for something and you'll get it and that makes mm. your life a lot easier and makes you feel a lot more positive mm. um Went to visit a school in Bradford Way with um, Kirsty Stubbs, who's, who's tattooed head teacher on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Completely different environment towards, you know, she's got amazing stuff going on in terms of the quality and 27 languages. And you walk around the school, absolutely amazing stuff. Um, stuff that we, you know, we're 100% white British, our school. It's stuff that we don't do. But the increasing mm. the awareness and actually seeing it in just you take ideas back to your school to gradually get into your school and it, it's fantastic um yeah it, it's it's a big part of me now is that actually you rarely find me off twitter um made yeah. some good links on twitter um and yeah i, I quite enjoy it I, I, mm. I never really see the negative stuff that goes on on twitter i keep hearing about people talking about this negative stuff um, I've never come across it myself, to be honest. I've blocked a few people because I can't be bothered, but I can't yeah. say I've seen the nastiness. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy making these links and I enjoy having these chats and I enjoy these little direct Twitter groups. We get a lot out of it for school as well, mm -hmm. as well as myself. Um, it, so you've done networking. a lot of work with other schools using G Suite, haven't you, in Norway, in Dagenham, in Jakarta. You've, you've, you've done a lot of work with Google schools, haven't you? as well so it's 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 quite a outreach you've got going on um to 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 demonstrate to other schools how you use it in your school yeah we've um the norway thing is something we've had going for years um through a presentation one of our staff did at bet on the mm. google stand when they had the google stand and a bloke from um, sigurd from norway approached us and we've had um i think four projects now i think with norway mm. And in Norway, mm. it made national news. The current of the BBC, you know, it was a big thing for these Norway schools. They're linking with this school in the Lake District. Mm. Uh, in this country, it barely got any traction at all. But for the kids, fantastic opportunity to speak to these kids in Norway. School in Liverpool mm. joins us as well. We have a school in Dagenham joins us. We've got a school in Hull wants to join us next time we do it. Another class has done their project with a school in Jakarta. Um, mm. And it's, you know, it's brilliant on so many levels, whether it's using the technology whether it's the responsibility and actually the experience of speaking to other people. And you see kids with, you know, EHCPs um, mm. that are dead nervous, but actually because they're one-to-one -one or teaching a group on that, the confidence to get, it's just amazing stuff to see. Um, but, you know, we do, everything's based on the curriculum as well. So these kids are actually learning firsthand about different countries, different towns, different environments. Um, yeah. It's a bit different to the old, or oh, trying to think, teaching units on Chembacoli and um, mm. St. Lucia and things, because actually, nothing against them, but they're actually able to speak to these people, ask them first hand questions about what's it like mm. living where you like, what's the temperature like, what's the traffic like, and things. Um, mm. It takes it to a whole new level. It mm. also increases the awareness of the wider world, whether it's the cities in this country, other areas of this country, or mm. other countries. Um, yeah, see you say it as if matt it's like you know you love it because you you get to see some of the cities and take your kids into those environments and have those conversations but i i think that us who work in inner cities and city areas love coming to you because it takes us to a rural environment um you know it's um 
I, I seen when I was up there recently, you just put in your bees. And I was fascinated with how you'd done beekeeping with children, you know, and it looked just such an amazing, you know, um, on-site project to have, you know, especially me as a secondary science teacher. I was like, oh, my God, you know, I wish I had I mean, bees. The, the, yeah, the beekeeping thing's amazing. And we did a building six, seven years ago and just said to the builder, just stick a pipe through the wall upstairs, you know, so we can put a beehive in there. That observation mm. hive is fascinating for the kids because we have bees in it, but the actual beekeeping, the apiary yeah. in the field, um, you hear about, you, you know, you read about things that get some kids' attention, they keep their attention, and I've got kids who I would never have seen, I would never have envisaged them actually sticking to a club like beekeeping because from October through to May, it's all theory, but these kids come and they're committed and they love it, and then once it gets to May and it's actual beekeeping season, suited up and once you get down to a beehive and you're handling frames with you know a thousand bees on it it's absolutely fascinating these kids love it and they take it on board and their knowledge is amazing of beekeeping but you know they know more than me yeah i've seen that yeah their knowledge of things like beekeeping and some of those kind of activities is just phenomenal you know Uh, and you know things like that are are very much a very very specialist limited skill set these days that we desperately need more of so you know do you think that rurals that rural schools could provide a bit more joy for inner city schools if you've got inner city kids, you know, coming to visit rural schools to see what kind of, you know, environments that they live in. This is something that's come out of COVID and I think through mm. the round tables group, um, a couple of schools have lost residentials. It's like, well, come and sleep in our hall. Mm. It's not comfy, you know, you have to get a sleeping bag and a sleeping mat, but come and sleep in our hall. Um, and we'll sort some outdoor instructors for you. And they came last year and they're coming again this year. So we've got a school from the northeast coming next week. Mm-hmm. They'll be sleeping in the hall for the week. And we've got a school from Leeds the week after coming for a week. These mm-hmm. kids, I remember last year, the school from Leeds, these kids haven't left their estate before, you know. So coming out to the country, proper countryside, you know, it was makes Lonely Planet books the area we live in. It's fantastic. And sharing it with these kids and showing them it is, is brilliant. They love it. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, yeah, when we've had kids come out from Liverpool, like I say, they've, you know, do you want to feed the alpacas? Blows the minds because some of these kids haven't seen sheep before, never mind fed an alpaca. Um, yeah, when I was there. The same. Yeah, when I was there, I was watching um, some of your students taking currency to your alpacas. And I was kind of like a bit, because I, I, I mostly in, in inner city schools, as you know, I was kind of like, oh my God, there's like a full alpaca there. And it was just such a joy to attend and one of the things I noticed when I was there last was I was teaching um, uh, 3D printing and digital skills with people uh, was just how on top of it um, all the young people were they were were, were so um, so confident and so competent um, do you think that you um, feel that that kind of um experience will translate then across their school career or do you worry about it as they go into secondary um i mean i know for a fact that the stuff they're doing in terms of digital skills and digital competency is not going to continue at secondary um Mm. and that's not a criticism because secondary schools obviously have very different challenges um i strongly disagree with the whole education system at the moment to be honest because the stuff they know now to me should be continually built upon Hmm. digital skills gap and um you know 
careers in educate uh, careers in the future and these digital skills are going to be the thing they need it's not going to be some of the math so to teach them because you well, do this alongside them. let's just point out um you know you've got an outstanding school you know you your curriculum is incredibly strong in its bedrock to build this upon um, one of the things I've noticed when you, you're trying to, you know, build the kind of things that we would say is some of the joy in things, um, such as, you know, outdoors activities or digital skills or all of the niceties, you do have to have that really strong bedrock of a good curriculum, don't you? And if you've yeah. got it, I think it's fine. But I think if you've not got it, then it's a real struggle to build anything on shaky foundations, isn't it? And I think for us in secondary, a lot of the time it's it's very hard to do because a lot of the time you know there's you can get in schools like i've worked in schools that requires improvement secondary and inner cities and it's the foundations aren't there because there's so much change you know do you find that you've been benefited from having this prolonged you know small community school and that that makes it a lot easier to build those kinds of you know really outstanding practice or do you think that if we've got more shaky ground, that it's a little harder? I know I'll, I'll say it's a little harder. Um, a tricky one to answer, I think, really. It's, you know, with the staff, myself, have been there for 10 years. The school's hmm. 150% bigger in terms of kids and quadruple terms at times in terms of um, the actual physical space. Hmm. Uh, but we've got brilliant staff, brilliant governors, and I think, ultimately governors and you know staff that help you facilitate it and drive things forward is, is the first thing uh, i'm trying to think of a way to answer that Cas. to be honest i mean it's a hard question did some nexus isn't it? things well we did some nexus things a while ago you know nexus and and damien yeah. and you, through the round tables group and you see these curriculum packages that come out and I remember one thinking that's brilliant yeah. you know because it's a whole school curriculum so yeah. if you went into a school without a curriculum that's been developed for 10 years Mm. I would buy that but as a school that as we are now and most schools would have thought I thought you know you wouldn't buy that because it's too much you don't want to spend years building up your curriculum and constantly tweaking it because you never stop um for all this Ofsted talk about reviewing your curriculum every once in a while we never stop reviewing our curriculum it changes every year yeah. it's constantly changing every term um but um you yeah know, it's a hard find... one and do you find joy in that, you know, tweaking that curriculum, getting it right, improving the learning in, in your classrooms? I mean, do you do you have it where you think that that's, oh, God, there's nice some joy, some joy, a lot of frustration, um, because obviously schools are accountable to Ofsted is what it comes down to ultimately, isn't it? Yeah. Ofsted are not Ofsted do not come in and look at your digital skills. You will struggle to find many Ofsted reports. Well, they've gone to a primary or a secondary school and they are the report references outstanding digital competency or digital skills they the are problem with this asking is about that it i think in all honesty i think a lot of it now sits in our personal development so you know you could say that your you know your personal development section is um you know is in, is incredible but i think it's um it's understanding i think we've got a long way to go with digital both of you me do a lot with the edtech 50 don't we and i think both of us have have seen the the benefits and some of the the things you can gain from that but also some of the issues with that especially during lockdown you know both of us i think would rather be in schools but having digital 
abilities really did during COVID save many, you know, from having no education whatsoever, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of ed tech, mm. as you might want to summarise it. Um, it's never going to replace teaching and learning in the classroom, but it can significantly enhance and enrich many, many aspects of the national mm. curriculum. Um, we've had school down doors in lockdown that didn't do it. They handed out paper yeah. copies. And if you've got 500 kids, you can't just go and get 500 devices. So I can see why they've not adopted it yeah. because finance, you know, does come into it, but it shouldn't stop it. It should just mean you have to put a five-year strategy in place. Um, I think when we um, we look at it, isn't it, it's, it's a careful balance, isn't it, between, and I mean, you and I have both walked around, but between having things that educators want and having things that ed tech want to sell us, isn't it? You know, I think it's... Um, horse leading the cart a bit Um, and we've really got to you know um, we've seen recently the new future development for education educational tech come out from the Department of Education and you know my first thought was that's quite ambitious so I think we're seeing maybe a change in our priorities but I think it will Mm -hmm. take time for that to actually be able to be done, especially with school budgets and constraints that we have on our systems, isn't it? And in primary, you know, you do have a lot. You are teaching all day. You know, my admiration for primary teachers never ends, really, because whilst I'll get, you know, a, a, a bit of a moment's break or a PPA, you are on the go all the time. It doesn't stop. I mean, the teachers are quite pleased that the teachers at my school make sure they get a lunchtime lunchtime mm. is 15 minutes where they get to sit together they have an hour but you know you know in schools it never, you never get an hour um but just the fact they get 15 minutes to sit down and have a break is a big thing for me i'm quite pleased that they do that mm. um but yeah it's, it's non-stop education and it's almost a constant balancing act between what you want to do and what you have to do mm. because of the national curriculum and ofsted um where do you offset any day now but i'll be really really interested um, how they perceive us um, mm. because our statement of intent that every school has and some schools do it for every subject some schools do it in general we've just done it in general our statement of intent opens with outdoor learning and education technology English and maths is not our priority yeah. um, mm. it's those two strands that we're all about so I'll be very interested when Ofsted come in how they perceive that and it thinking sad, sad though it is whatever the framework it's very dependent on the actual Ofsted inspector you get um, they might be open to it. They might be very impressed by it. They might have no clue about technology and don't understand it and don't like it at all. Um, hmm. But you and I have had various talks about technology in this country and the ed tech world. Hmm. As nice, as brilliant as they are, there's a, I think there's a lack of understanding that actually the vast majority of schools have a IT suite. 15 years old with a few desktops in it. That's their education technology. And yeah. the financial and the, challenges involved in getting across that are, are huge. Yeah. I mean, we've seen this during lockdown, didn't we, in that, you know, trying to get kids' devices. You know, it was just, you know, I spent a long time trying to do that. And it was just really shocking, really, you know, that we didn't have that kind of safety net even there. You know, it was great for if you were a one-to-one school, but if you wasn't, it was absolutely diabolical. Um, yeah. You know, so are you, you know, with us talking about joy, I'll bring us back a bit more because I know me and you could go on all day about this. 
you know what do you feel like is you know in your school you've got you know you've got a few main focuses you've got digital skills firmly embedded you've got outdoor and it's a big focus um when you are with your kids you want them to receive as many opportunities as they possibly can all those trips yeah. and visits and enhanced curriculum and enriched experience do you think that gives joy to your kids to engage them in that kind of process uh, in absolutely schools? yeah we, we does it make does it make schools for them i guess what i'm getting at here does it make schools you know and go into school a really engaging enjoyable process that they want to be doing um you know that's that's i think one of the struggles i think in inner city schools where you get you know a lot of kids who are very disengaged from the education process um absolutely i think you know enriched curriculum we we work ridiculously hard to do as many visits and get as many visitors in and enrich every lesson as much as we can and every school does we don't have the challenges that a lot of deprived schools uh, areas in deprived area sorry schools in deprived areas have inner cities if you like um we're very fortunate we are not well off financially but we have fantastic support from our pta so we have two minibuses we bought so we we have that capacity to just jump in the minibuses almost and take mm. the kids off to the city and things. Um, and I think, actually, yeah, the kids, the fact that they're coming in every day and what's happening today and, oh, this is tomorrow, as opposed to going into a standard school day, is, is exactly what we aim for. It's as much enrichment and as many opportunities for every single child um, as we possibly can. Um, and again, I think that's what primary school should be about. It shouldn't be focused mm. on on SATs, for example. You know, you mm. you hear about schools and there's there's hundreds and thousands of primary schools. They'll start the SATs testing practice in September of year six. And they do after school clubs in it and things like that. And I'm not knocking them because they have that pressure and that accountability for Ofsted or the local authority, um, which is why they do it. We, we don't do it at all. We start a couple of weeks before, give a few practice papers and that's it. Um, yeah. Because I'd rather the kids had all those enrichment experiences um, because actually I know that those will benefit them more than things like that. Uh, I wonder sometimes whether, you know, we talk actually... about... Yeah, I, w I, wonder, I wonder if you, you know, you think about SATs themselves, that, you know, you think whether the intent was ever to be, you know, this focused upon it, or whether the intent was, you know, it was supposed to be, you know, several weeks before you prepare and then you test. Sometimes I wonder whether teachers you know put pressure on themselves to some extent i think they do and i think as heads you try not to pass it on but obviously teachers are aware of league tables and things um often are now using this year's this term's data um, they will refer to it in autumn inspections and things so i mean i don't personally think they're even close to being a reliable measure of how good a school is um we we teach to a high standard you know we give them the maths and english but there's a huge lack of uh, continuity. You know, we know for a fact that the stuff they teach in, we teach, we teach in maths in year four, five, and six yeah. is repeated in year seven, eight, and nine. Um, yeah. It's utterly pointless. I think somebody on Twitter yesterday said we need to, the curriculum's too, too crammed. It's ridiculous. Can't be taught in a normal year. It couldn't be taught if you didn't do any trips and visits. You cannot fit it all in. Often are now bringing out their subject um, research papers and mm. I've only seen computing in English. Computing is, is all right. 
nothing will change for us. English seems to be um, based on research from other countries as opposed to our country. Um, but just things like the music expectations and the latest music one, absolute nonsense. But, but schools will see these and schools will then work hard to cram more stuff into the curriculum. Well, actually, what we should be trying to do is to teach less and to teach it much, much better. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Do you um, I think I think the, the curriculum feels crammed in secondary. I think it feels crammed everywhere. You know, there's quite a lot we've got to cover, really. And I think that for me, you know, um, that for me definitely takes some of the joy out of teaching. You know, the just the sheer pace of everything that you've got to put in. Um, you know, you know, you really want to take the time to do it right, don't you? And then I think it's um, I think it's hard to um, really be able to teach everything properly and effectively and 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 things like, and really take the time to well, I mean, teach let, well. Let's be brutally honest, Kaz, you know. The education system in this country is a right mess. It works so well because the teachers in schools are so committed um, and they've got brilliant support staff, paid peanuts that do amazing jobs. Um, and they do it despite the pressures of the national curriculum, despite the Department for Education, despite the testing and accountability. Um, it doesn't help them. They do, they do a brilliant job in schools across the country, despite all these things. Um, if you, um, I mean, I find that one of the things that definitely brings me joy is just the sheer, the sheer, how do I describe it? The sheer ability of teachers to just be, in my in my opinion, most of the time, um, so just some of the best examples of people. You know, they're just, the, the generosity is beyond me. You know, teachers every time are just bringing, you know, as the best version that they can every day. And, you know, under circumstances that are challenging and tricky and exhausting to do. But, you know, they still have, you know, days where you get that kind of light bulb moment with kids and they absolutely, you know, thrive on those oh, moments. They, they amaze me day after day. Absolutely brilliant. The enthusiasm, the dedication, uh, mm. the commitment. And we, we both we both just said teachers, but actually we should be saying um, school staff. Yeah, everybody because, actually. You're quite I mean, right. School the staff. teaching assistants are, are just our school wouldn't function without our teaching assistants and other staff in school. Um, mm. And the teachers, yeah, they put in ridiculous hours doing it, but they wouldn't be able to do it without those other people. Um, yeah, yeah. You're quite right there. I think, you know, some of the school staff and TAs and even canteen staff that I've worked in have made my day before now. Oh, they're brilliant. You know I mean? Absolutely it's brilliant. It's been amazing. And... When I've gone in and thought, oh, God, today I just, you know, I'm really struggling to, to keep up with everything. You know, a, a, you know, a piece I of toast a huge a coffee is, 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 a, is a really good moment, you know, when somebody... What's the, um, what's the teacher tap lady called? Laura McKinnery, is it? Yeah, yeah. And she did something a while back, did an article because it was about, you know, nobody wants to be a head teacher anymore and um, less and less want to do the job. Teacher retention is not great at all. In fact, it's appalling. It's going to get it worse. And she was saying, if you look beyond that, the biggest issue is going to be that all these support staff um, in five years time, we have a real issue there because the paid peanuts, you know, around here, you can earn a lot more in the supermarkets. You can earn significantly more just going to work in a bar in the hospitality industry because... Mm they're desperate for people since brexit um so in five years time yeah schools have got quite uh 
an issue with staffing. Um, and it's not just the teachers, it's all those people behind them that keep it going. How do you um how do you then go about supporting the staff that you have got? And what do you think about head teachers? You know, how do we make head teaching, you know, more attractive, more joy, more enjoyment in it? You know. I mean, in terms of supporting them and things, I'm I'm lucky that they all look out for each other and I just do what I can to facilitate that. So I'll I'll do lunch duty every day, as I don't know, quite a few heads do. I suspect in small schools it's higher than um big schools very different challenges you know um but by being out on duty i know that the, the teaching staff and the non-teaching staff will get that mm-hmm. hour where within that hour they can find 15 20 minutes to sit down and have some food um small schools are on goodwill so if a teacher comes to me and says or a member of staff comes to me and says i've got i need to get to the dentist i've got an appointment or i've got this i want to go to it's a case of you go for it we'll sort it because mm-hmm. they do they go above and beyond and if you stop them going to a medical appointment in school time or a, a, I don't know, a special family occasion, then they're going to stop doing the extra stuff in schools and schools are going to just, you know, slowly fail to f- stop functioning as well as they do. Um, yeah, I mean, you take care of your staff really, really well. You know, there's obviously lots and lots of very, you know, good, strong goodwill in your school because you, you're very big on looking after them. You know, do you, do you think that that's, you know, something that, you know, does give you joy and give you pride to do that? I know great, some of the great head teachers I've worked with, uh, you know, they are big on that. You know, they look after their staff, you know, really incredibly well. And I think that's a big part of, you know, being, I think, a great head, you know, looking after the people and letting the, facilitating the people doing the job and making yeah, sure that say, they're yeah. well cared for. I, I'm very conscious. I think as a head, you've got to be aware of your weaknesses, and I've got many. So things like that is a case of I just facilitate it and make sure there's other people in charge of it because I'm not really good at looking after myself. And if you're not good at looking after yourself, you can't really take responsibility for looking after other staff. So having other staff that actually say, you know, we're going to have a Jacobs join on Friday and get people involved is, is, is a brilliant thing. Um, so I'm quite lucky there, but you still have to be aware of it and actually support it happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, horror stories here in other schools and mm. how other heads treat the staff or or how badly they are to them in terms of communication is um, yeah, you can you can take a step back and try and understand the reasons for it as much as you want, but yeah, I I, I don't like it. it. It's not acceptable. You're not a big micromanager. Oh yeah, so he is just no, saying, again, I think... how do they get in those positions? It's quite hard, isn't it? Because you think, but I think there's a lot of accountability, you know what I mean, that is in schools. And I think, you know, that's, there's all, in every profession, there's there's the ability for those who are climbing the greasy pole and all step, you know, on people to do that. But I think, you know, you, you only ever get as far as who you bring with you, don't you, at the end? You know what I mean? Yeah, those... well, it's, it's been like a... 10, 11 year journey and the staff been there from the start and yeah, at the start, definitely micromanaged, definitely felt like I'd been finger on the pulse for everything. I had a government meeting the week and I said, you know, the staff do exactly what they're told, what the best bit is. When they know there's something better to do, they'll nod along at me and they'll do exactly what needs doing. (laughs) (laughs) Because yeah, they know what needs doing better than me. I've got, you know, brilliant staff. So they know. So they'll be able to kind of lead you as well. I think. Oh, I just let them go on with it. 
and it's it's definitely yeah. in schools. It's more about facilitating them to do what they need to do now um, mm-hmm. than me actually micromanaging it and actually keeping on top of things because they're all very experienced, very driven, very, very good staff. Um, mm. So me interfering and actually trying to micromanage things would be a huge negative. Um, mm. I think I think uh, that's a, a great way of leading, really. And you, you, I think that's probably one of the things that I think I... I think encourages joy because I think it encourages trust, doesn't it? You know, if you if you're hiring people, really you want to trust the people to do the job that they've been hired to do. And I think that's um, yeah. that's a real crucial part of of having an environment that people like to come into work. You know, I, I always felt that you know one of the the best ways to lead is to you know lead with encouragement you know people if people want to do the work for you because you trust them and you respect them they will go above and beyond doing the work for you um you know every time but if you can't bring them along on that journey then quite often it's a you know it's a hard um ask to get them to do you know anything isn't it yeah i think i mean one of the reasons i signed up to um yeah you know gec collector nick ponsford is it cat wildman We've signed yeah. up to that, and one of the aspects I'm quite keen on is is the staff survey. Um, mm. Are you involved, and are you consulted, and do you feel valued, and things like that? Because schools are that busy, and certainly our school is that frantic some days that you don't really get a chance to speak to staff. Um, so just mm. little things like that, I'm quite keen to get that in place, just to get the anonymous feedback and check everybody is on board and valued and involved. Because yeah, yeah, that's got some uh, some great. Um, stuff on you know supporting women in classrooms um you know on mm. things like menopause and, and other situations that are going on in classrooms that you you don't necessarily because we've not got time you don't think of you know how do you you know support your female staff as they you know head through menopause how do you support them through pregnancy you know the, yeah. the important that's parts been an interesting stages. discussion i've been involved in yeah because as a as a bloke i'm clueless about that sort of thing um, but I'm lucky that I've got staff in school that, you know, brilliant business manager who's who will put things in place. And yeah. I see something say, what's that? And she says, it's for this. Oh, brilliant. Thank you for getting it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm the only male in the school, so. How do you feel then if, you you know, being the only, you know, bloke in the school leading, you know, for that? Do you feel, do you feel like sometimes you rely upon your female staff to do those kinds of things? Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm quite comfortable relying on them to do those things because they will do it better than I will do it. It's exactly <laughs> the phrase I wanted to hear. Better than I would do it. That's exactly the phrase I wanted to hear. About yes, well, they I mean, will understand this better than me. Yes, indeed. Well, exactly. But you know, it's there's there's like I say, you've got to be aware of your own weaknesses, and I've got a lot of them. Um, so yeah. whether it's curriculum based or staffing based or HR personnel, whatever, yeah, you need the people to do those things and. I would never be the person that stops people doing those things because that would create issues. So I'm, I'm yeah, happy for people to actually take yeah, so some initiative and responsibility and, and do it. Just, just have a note there, the, the servant leadership, you know, it's serving your staff really, isn't it, with you and your school. It's very much you serve your, you know, your, your staff and you look after your staff and you, you, your kids and your community. You're very, um, you know, you lead very much from that position. And um, I think that's probably what makes your school very happy. Um, when I when you go, it's an incredibly happy school. 
Yeah, it's 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 got a lovely feel to it. We have families look round. They never don't come to the school um, because, A, it's got that lovely feel to it. The staff are always about to chat to these people, which is usually after school hours now because of COVID and things. Um, and then ultimately, I can say to the kids that visit, do you want to feed an alpaca? And straight away, they're like, Mum, I want to come to this school. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It's a happy school. It, it's, it's a busy school. Um, and certainly this point in the term, every weekend has got something on as well. So... Um, do you find that you you have a lot of parental involvement? I noticed when I came there was there was you know so many parents you know outside your gates you know um, you're very very engaged yeah it's parental. changed over the years um, yeah we had um, I think I remember I started ten years ago I did like a working party day and every parent had came in for the weekend we painted the whole school hmm. um, but last time I did that busier and busier but our families. Are hundred percent supportive in other ways. One of the local villages had a had a sports day on yesterday. Everybody there, which was a few, hmm. um, and the PTA parent support for it is utterly amazing. And I think when I've been here, they must have raised well over a hundred thousand pounds uh, in my ten years there. So things like two minibuses, you know, these are major things. You know, that's if they have a other oh, yeah, the fundraising is off the chart and it's the parents that drive it and support it you know all we do is give them a meeting room occasionally and and help out at the events but they're absolutely amazing fundraisers and when they run nights that raise 10 how, grand in one night ridiculously yeah. how would you how would you um if you were trying to advise uh you know a more um in a city school or a school in, in a more um you know, fragmented uh, environment to encourage more, you know, of a, a community, in, you know, feel. Yeah. How would you go about that? I mean, what would your advice be to us, mm. you know, a head teacher who's trying to bring its community in? You know, it's very um, tricky to do. You just get them involved, don't you? And and you invite them to things, whether it's your weekly praise assembly or whether it's a, an event or uh, a show. And, and we do things in our community like we've got a talent show um kids wanted to do it kids are literally running it but um after the talent show is a barbecue so all the families will stay for a barbecue um gives them ownership of the school to an extent um but they all know that any funds raised from that barbecue or any of the fundraising will go back to it will subsidize the school trip to aaron a week after next you know our pta mm. pays i think is it 40 pounds per child mm. off, off the actual total cost um but yeah, they, they all the parents have ownership of that. They all get a voice, um, and I think the fact we're on the door every morning, we see the parents every morning. We're on the gate every night as well, is a big big thing. We put on a parent view meeting last week where a couple of our governors are there for parents to submit things anonymously, questions you know via Google Forms before the meeting or turn up and ask questions. No parents turned up. No parents submitted anything, and we have that time after time um, because we perceive it as they're very, very happy with school and they can chat to us all the time. So these meetings and anonymous surveys where they can raise concerns and things aren't needed. Um, because On the so same hand, though, they, you know, you know, you do still continuously offer them, you know, and that's probably, a, you know, a good thing to, you know, start. Jenny's just said here, you know, she's in a, a big city school and rarely sees parents, you know, 
I wonder whether we need, you know, social occasions that, and it's a lot to expect of teachers, you know, it's outside very different of, challenges. you know, the working hours. Yeah, it? it's very different challenges in big city schools and, and small rural schools. And, and I don't know, you see these debates about what's harder, primary or secondary or big or little schools. I um, think it's all hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's all hard. It's yeah, all, it's I think it's, it's all challenging. challenges. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got friends that are heads of big schools. And the concept of them of sitting on the ride on lawnmower and cutting the grass to save money is ridiculous. It's laughable to them, but to me it's normal. Mucking out the alpacas one day a week with the kids at lunchtime or watching the kids muck them out, if I'm honest, um, is normal. But then I couldn't work in a big school where I've got to be on top of key stage teams and all that. It's it's just a different world. It's different challenges. Um mm. You know, this probably leads us nicely into this idea that, you know, no, no one size fits all, does it? You know, not at all. No, I always view schools as very, very much their individual own world. You know, each school is so individual that you just can't really replicate that. You know, you can kind of take parts with things, can't you? You can take bits from other schools where you go, oh, I think that could work or maybe this could work. But Absolutely. You always have whole... this moment where it's so oh, personal, this, yeah. isn't it? Multi academy, this concept of every school's got to join a multi academy trust is absolute nonsense. Um, it's some there's some brilliant multi academy trusts out there. There's some shocking multi academy trusts out there. There's schools that are desperate to join multi academy trusts because mm. they've got issues with attendance and assessment and the actual state of the building. No multi academy trust will take them on. So this whole one size fits all approach to education, which is a political approach, I'm afraid. Um, is complete and utter nonsense. Um, the problem drives with me that insane. Is that you know, even though I see it like that, when you talk about you know the governance and the 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 policy and the the statutory obligations we have to oversee schools, which I think are important, you know, you do have to have some standard rules. So we're always going to be in this kind of position where it's like you know to. To have somebody that oversees, you know, great schools and make sure that schools are doing a great job, which I think we need, yeah. you're always going to be at odds with, you know, the individual contexts of individual schools, you know. So it's yeah. kind of this kind of There's pull never pull. going to be um, a right answer, but I mean, I keep going back no. to the concept of Ofsted coming once a term with a head teacher, another head teacher, whether it's in from a group like Ed Round Tables or your cluster group or your LEA. And by all means, have your three to five year formal inspection. But that's utter nonsense that you can judge a school over a day or two. Um, and I've never had a bad experience with Ofsted. But come termly, get to know the school. Um, you've still got that accountability, think, but in a positive way. Yeah, would you think you'd like more, more time, you know, to get um, more involvement from Ofsted, not less involvement? Um, Do you think you'd like through, them to I mean, see you more? I was on uh, Zoom with the head of policy um, through uh, the, you know, the FedEd thing, you know, the Foundation for Education yeah. and Development. You, you're involved with that. Yes. And I attended a, a, a National Leaders Council thing and got chatting to a, an Ofsted person and invitation to a Zoom. And um, she was head of policy at the time. She just left now, actually. But I was saying this to her and she was saying, actually, that's what they would like to do. Mm. But the DFE will not fund them to that extent. Mm. Um, well, at that point, I had all sort of, you know, well, you're not independent, then are you? You know, it's raised all sorts of other queries, but to hear them actually say that, and Amanda Spielman and the head of policy, yeah, we would like to go to schools termly and get to know them much better over a longer period of time before any 
two or three day inspections at the end of whatever period number of years um but we can't afford to do that that was that was a big eye opener um yeah but i'll I'll play devil's advocate here matt because on the same hand i'd say there's probably teachers out there that are like that sounds like hell because mm. you know we might end up making Absolutely. it you know even more stressful. So I think to yeah. some extent there's no right answer here. No, there's no there... right answer. There's no there's no Wrong answer, answer that's going to please everybody at all. And no, there'll be people no. cursing me for even suggesting it. But um... what what do you think? Most importantly, you know, do you think you value making joy in things? You know what I mean? The the joy that you get in things. If you've got to get those small wins when you get them. Yeah, and I think. Sticking with Ofsted, because I know you're trying to steer me away, but actually the nicest thing about Ofsted at the moment is that they will speak to kids under the new inspection framework. They're less interested in your assessment. They want to speak to kids and they want to see happy, thriving children. Um, And I don't think there's enough schools and leaders that are actually seeing through the inspection framework to that message at the moment. Um, But the current Ofsted inspection framework wants to see thriving children. Um, and that's a huge positive for me. So I'm going to round to just, um, we're going to just run the news again. Now we've had this long conversation. We're going to come back for the last 10 minutes to talk a little bit about what you're doing on your Sunday mat. So I'm just going to round you with the news and we'll see you in 10 minutes to talk about what your Sunday is going to contain. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, in this week's Two Minute Tech, we're going to look at how smart is a smart pen. Smart pens and notebooks are a bit of tech that make your handwritten notes become more useful and more importantly, digitally accessible. There are three main technologies used, app-based, image capture-based and real-time capture. Today is a look at the thinking process you can apply when looking at a new gadget. Obviously, the first decision I always make is not going to be considered. That being, is it a gadget? Yes, then I need it. Throughout this, the trusty spreadsheet will assist to calculate cost. Going as cheap as possible, I found a diary and 10 pens delivered for 5 dollars So that is my baseline. If I wanted an academic planner, the baseline would obviously increase. So, what's the next cheapest but digital option? I found a reusable wipe clean diary. This is a few different formats, but a decent one I saw was a calendar template on one side and a line template on the other. Both were wipe clean. You downloaded an app on your phone to take a picture. The app recognized the diary entries and the handwriting and then converted it to digital. There's a lot of different makes on the market, so do compare and read reviews. A guide price would be around £40 and a quick calculation in my spreadsheet says it would take six years to match the cost of a cheap diary. My question there is, will it last that long? Also, at this point, it is worth noting that there are free apps out there that let you do the same with your ordinary diary. So really, the cheapest way to go digital is to use a free app and take a picture of what you already have. If you still want a new gadget, your decision may depend on if you feel a big lump of plastic is more environmentally friendly or you prefer the features of the capture app that's being used over a free one. The final technology is real-time note-taking. Now, when I saw this, I instantly needed one. Then I remembered I type everything or use voice capture for meetings, so I'd never use it. However, that is not a reason not to want one. This more expensive tech uses a special pen and notebook and communicates in real time with an app so you can see what you're writing on screen as well as in the book. Also, like the others, it will recognize handwriting and convert to digital characters to allow pasting into other applications. At £110 for a notepad, the pen and the app, it isn't cheap, taking 18 years to break even and with the cheapest replacement notebook costing £16 as well, this will actually never break even. In conclusion, I recommend you stick to your diary and find an app you like to capture it. Or if you have a 
laptop with touchscreen, you probably can do all of this anyway. For me, smart pens are not that smart when it comes to price. You do get what you pay for though. Do you have a smart pen? Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022 and follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hi, welcome back. So we've been talking to Matt Jessup and we've been having a bit of a kind of like chat about exactly Primary Joy and how Primary Joy is 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 what it's like. We've had a, a bit of a chat about Ofsted. We've had a bit of a chat about how to, um, what kind of things and challenges you face in a rural school and what kinds of challenges you face um, in a a city school and how that kind of looks so what i want to know now is exactly um what kinds of things you're going to spend your weekend doing what's your sunday look like now um what what are you going to spend the rest of your sunday doing what does it look like how are you going to spend it relaxing because sunday's the day that i do very very little on i do every other i do my sunday breakfast show and then i kind of like go you know what i'm not doing anything today because if i did then i'd probably work all week so what are you all spending your sundays doing matt are you there have we still got matt back hopefully so if we've not then um just check in matt or come back in and out or just type for us um what are you spending your sunday doing um so i'm going to spend my sunday um probably spending it with my daughter she's back from iceland um and uh, I, i'm spending that time probably lolling around watching the umbrella academy which to be honest i've kind of got obsessed with it's on netflix right now so if you've not seen it it's a good little watch if you've not watched it from the beginning it's amazing um and i've also spent probably a bit of time um just i don't know i'm, I'm kind of like reorganizing my house it's it's a hilarious kind of moment where i'm like reorganizing my house in an attempt to um see what it looks like and and trying to do all my furniture and like restructure it seeing as i've now got a team oh actually i've got two teens in the house at the moment which is a joy and and basically i've come to the conclusion that i have not enough storage space which is hilarious so if you notice last time we spoke i'd been making things with uh, you know um ikea left right and center so you know i'm probably going to be spending it reorganizing and watching more umbrella academy and building more flat pack which is is probably a bit kind of um depressing and not um we'll just check in and see if we've got matt back again matt are you there i don't think maybe we have so matt you might want to try and come out and come back in if you can um but um what kinds of things do you want to spend your weekend doing i know next weekend if you're around and about um I'm actually running uh, Liverpool's biggest digital maker festival. So if you're a teacher and you're around Liverpool next weekend, you can come free to the central library where I'm kind of showing off all of the kind of digital tech that's in the community. Um, Flora Cooper off to do some grocery shop. That sounds thrilling. That does Flora. You know, if you, if you're doing that, I found a brilliant app recently. And I, I don't know whether I've talked about this before. You'll have to forgive me if I have called whisk. That actually is a, um, it's like a bit of a cheat app. 
you kind of add a bunch of recipes and then you press export and then it organizes you your own shopping list and honest to god it's like amazing it solved me a whole bunch of time left right and center um and I actually think that that's kind of like one of the things we can do is, you know, make sure that we get a bit of time to organise some other bits and make sure we get a, a bit of time to, to pull it together. Matt, I don't think maybe we're going to get you back in. So if you can type and then tell us what you're doing. Matthew is doing some reptile checks. Reptile checks, that's cracking. And dog walking. How do you do a reptile check? Is it like a full-blown thing where you just check it out and just... And a bit of work, which he apologises for. It's okay. Thanks, Matt. And thank you so much for coming and talking to us. That's amazing. And um, if you want to go follow uh, Matt, you can do it at M, uh, Matt Jessup. It's um, M Jessup on Twitter. Um, he's going to go to the school and feed them and water them. That's how you do a reptile check. Who knew? Um, I wouldn't want to do the alpaca check, that's for sure. I think that they frighten me. I'd be the one running through a field thinking to myself, the thing's going to kill me. But, you know, uh, obviously your your young people are um, more equipped and better than being frightened by alpacas than I am. Um, yeah, what other things are you kind of doing? What I'd like to do is encourage you maybe not to think about working for just at least a day, you know, spend some time not actually looking at work. Um spend it with your kids, spend it with your families, you know, have an afternoon, you know, drink of wine out in a garden. I think we're probably going to get nice weather for it. So, you know, maybe think about taking a bit of time off. Sunday mornings looking a bit where I am. Not exactly great weather, but, you know, I can kind of lull around the outside a little and pretend it is. Um, so maybe if you've got something that you're planning on doing on Sunday and you absolutely know what kinds of things you want to do or how you spend your Sunday down to relax, uh, remember to um, hashtag TT Radio 2020 or hashtag TT Radio and, and let us know exactly what you're going to spend your Sunday doing. Um, please remember to rate uh, and review and subscribe to the podcast on Podbeam or, and download the Podbeam app and follow Teachers Talk Radio. Um, remember, you can get me on at KA81 to chat and I'll be putting this up. So I'm probably going to round up then. Tell us what you're doing with your weekend and how do you get joy in things? You know, that sounds like a really, I feel like I should be, you know, one of those really eccentric you know, uh, I probably am an eccentric older woman these days, you know, stood there. How do you get joy in things? You know, it sounds like one of them, but I think I'm probably that. So tell us, how are you putting more joy into your life? You know, as a teacher, as a leader, how are you doing that? And what are you doing that's a bit of joy over this weekend? Um, I'll be seeing you in two weeks time on the Sunday and I'll look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, just make sure that you have a, a good chat and talk about it. I'll be around for the next two weeks to talk joy among schools. So thanks very much for listening in and talking to us all. And thank you to Matt Jessup for having a good chat with us. Have a good day. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time. 
on Teachers Talk Radio.